0: Hi everyone. I'm Dr. Jillian Murphy, a naturopath, speaker, educator, and coach. And this is Food Freedom Body Love, a podcast I put together to help you make peace with food, body image, and weight so you can kick your all-consuming, exhausting weight control food obsession habits and start living your best, healthiest life. Welcome back to session two of this third series of sessions that I'm doing. This is a mini series. So this is two of four sessions I'm going to be sharing with you. And um, following that, we're going to move right into a solo series on getting back on track, quote unquote, Um, all about how to harness the energy and the motivation that you have in the fall to focus on... Your physical body and your relationship with food, without causing collateral damage or falling back down diet holes. So stay tuned for that. Today, though, I'm talking with a woman who is raising a toddler and pregnant with baby number two. She is determined to set a different example for her children than than she felt she had growing up, and um, we're. We're looking at a couple of really interesting ideas in this episode. The first of which is she has been able to come a very long way in her relationship with food and body on her own. And it's easy to miss that for yourself. to not not see how far you've come. I'm sure many of you have that experience of like accomplishing a lot and not celebrating yourself along the way or not validating yourself or recognizing how much work you've actually done. So in this episode, we see how much has been accomplished already. But then the second thing is that messy middle where You've come quite far, but you can also see how much further there is to go. And it's easy to feel stuck and overwhelmed and not know what to do next. So that's what we're going to be exploring. And in our follow-up, we're taking a look at a couple of the tools from the session that were particularly helpful and effective. Let's go.
1: Um. Honestly, it's been something I've been thinking about doing for a very long time, working with someone about this. I've been um, someone who was, I think, didn't think that they were dieting for a really long time. Um, and then as I get further and further away from that, realizing like, how entrenched it was in me and just in the way I was speaking to people about what I was eating or not eating and how excited I was about all that. Um, and the further I get away from that, the more I realize how much it has impacted me. Um, and it's been a an odd kind of journey to go on because I really, I was thinking about like how long have I been trying to get out of this? How I've, how long I've been trying to get out from under diet culture, and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I think it's been a, at least five years, but I feel like I've made the most amount of progress in the last year-ish. Um, but that whole time I was pregnant, postpartum, and then pregnant again. and so it's been a weird um, time to do this as well because my body's changing so much at the same time and so all of these like little sneaky things are coming back into my mind and so on some days I'm like I don't even think I need help I'm doing so good at all this and then other days like I almost can't get up because of how heavy all these like diety body image thoughts are Um, and I'm really trying to put in a lot of effort right now because of my babies. Like I'm trying to get rid of that so that I don't give it to them. And it makes yeah. me really emotional thinking about that and yeah. know where I got it from. Um, and I don't want to do that to them. Yeah. That's really
0: big, really big. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I always say, you know, obviously I think it's so important for us as parents, caregivers, not just the moms, because the dads mm-hmm. are a huge piece yep. of this puzzle, especially when it comes to, to, um, you know, when there are issues with feeding and, and, you know, helping to repair things. Grandparents, you know, everyone involved, it's a really big deal to start to shift the way that we talk about food and bodies and the way that we teach, you know, quote unquote, teach nutrition, which is, I put it in quotes because it's actually modeling more than teaching in the early (laughs) days. But also just to remember, I don't know if it just helps you a little, just right off the bat you are not solely responsible for this and even if you got it from your mom she's not solely responsible
1: yeah and i absolutely like i w- i don't like blame anyone in quotes right. you know what i mean like it's nobody's fault it's it's really much more of a systemic issue that i'm trying to like get on top of for me personally absolutely. and then also to make sure that it doesn't continue to go at least as far as my reach
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think that we're obviously very influential in our children's lives and we should be for as as long as we can be. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just think sometimes it's good to help remember that there is this whole culture out there. And I have absolutely worked with women and men whose parents have great relationships with food and body, but they've been, because of their personality and life experiences and challenges, mm-hmm. genetics often, right? Their body yep. plays into <laughs> it. They are more susceptible or more tuned into that cultural messaging and they take it on in a mm-hmm. certain way. So um, I just always like to say that off the top because especially moms, um, <laughs> I think in the best possible way, we're so invested in these little beings that are the most important things in our lives but just to remember mm. that like you know also <laughs> stuff happens like but, yeah know, shit happens. life will
1: happen life happens
0: yeah and um i do though i do i do though think this work is important for all the reasons i just said but also i think it's brene brown that talks about this but she talks about um you know, one of the most painful things being not fitting in, in our family unit or in our home. (laughs) And so I think that for me, that's the biggest thing that I think we as parents can do when it comes to this food body thing is just Mm -hmm. like, give our kids a safe spot to land, especially if they're going to end up in bodies that aren't you know, culturally ideal. But anyway, Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more. So I think it's really interesting (laughs) that you've been working through this while pregnant postpartum. I think it's interesting because Pregnancy can go either way. Sometimes it is the moment where we're able to have, like, the most clarity around our bodies and, like, Mm -hmm. see them in the most objective, kind of, like, loving, compassionate, beautiful way. Sometimes not. The recovery period after babies is often very hard. But anyway, Mm -hmm. just take me a little bit through, like, what that journey has looked like for you and what more specifically have you been working on?
1: Um, It's... (laughs) So the journey is trying to figure out where to start, I guess. (laughs) Um, While I am pregnant, I find it the easiest to deal with all these things because I, I can do that. I can look at my body as like it having a purpose and all this kind of stuff, which I struggle with because my body always has a purpose and it's always keeping me alive. It's not just useful to me when it's creating another person, you know, like that's, but for some reason, that's also the easiest time to look at it and go, well, this is why I look the way I do. And this is why I feel the way I do because I'm making another person. Um, and then the postpartum period is definitely the place where body image issues and diet culture for me anyways, it's, it's the easiest place it can come back into my life and the place where I want to start you know, controlling the way my body looks. And I'm unhappy because it's not, you know, looking like somebody else's or it's not healing fast enough or it's not doing all these things that I think that it's supposed to do. But I don't know. I I live in this like right between like knowing that everything takes time and I look the way I, I look because that's, that's what it's supposed to look like at this moment and maybe forever and that's okay. And then also being like the next day like just deeply unhappy with everything and so I think that's that's been the most interesting and difficult part is kind of living with like logically understanding what's going on and why like I shouldn't pay attention to diet culture messages and that kind of stuff and then on the other hand also being like but maybe if I just like ate a little bit less bread maybe then everything would be better you know like and then bouncing right back to like, no, you know, that's not, that's not going to make you happy. Like that's not going to solve the world's problems. Right. Like one slice less bread. Back and forth, back and forth like between the two.
0: Got it. And that's where you're at now. You'd say, yeah, it's
1: like really just stuck between these two, like almost polar opposites. And again, because I'm pregnant again, like it, I can ignore a lot of these things a lot more easily. Um, because you're pregnant right now. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it was all, my baby's not even one yet. It's been a, it's been a year.
0: <laughs> this is your third.
1: This is my second.
0: Oh, second. So, okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and this will second. be my
1: second. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When are you due? Uh, in August, August. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're in a bit of an easier phase, would you say at the moment?
1: Yes. Uh, easier to like logic my way out of things. Like I can more easily step back and take a look at like why I feel this way. And like, Um, why I'm letting like all the, I don't know, social, cultural, diacultury messages get to me and push them away because it's not important that I look a certain way right now. It's not important that I, you know, lose weight and I can see all those like I don't know, you start to get really hyper targeted by like pregnancy diet ads when you're pregnant, even if you haven't told anyone on social media for some reason, like you look at one baby outfit and then like (laughs) all the ads are like have a belly only pregnancy and all this kind of stuff. And I can just kind of giggle at it right now, but I know in a few months it's not going to be the same. Uh,
0: (laughs) I'm just trying to think back. I mean, I was pregnant so long ago. Instagram wasn't such a big thing. It wasn't even really anything. And I'm like, I've never even seen those ads.
1: Yeah, no, all over, like my Pinterest is full of like- (laughs) It's just exhausting, isn't it? How to lose weight and be pregnant at the same time. Like it's just- I feel like I spend
0: so much time like reporting Noom ads (laughs) to keep them off (laughs) my feed and then it's good for like two months and then they start again. And I almost feel, interestingly, like the more in the body positive world you are, it's almost like the more- like they lump these things together. So it feeds yeah. even more. Like it's a really interesting way yeah, that like you start are somehow deciding who to yeah. give these ads
1: to. And yeah. it's people who are like body positive and like, because Noom has rebranded itself as like a lifestyle and not a Ugh. diet, which <laughs> no, is just nonsense, <laughs> which yeah, it's ridiculous. And then, but yeah, no, so it, all the, the messaging is like, it's constant. Um, yeah. and I find when you're pregnant for some reason, um, just having done it like twice in the last year, it's like, it just feels like I get these ads so much more. So it's really difficult when you're trying to like shut your brain off and just like scroll. Um, but yeah, anyways, regardless, it's, it is easier to deal with right now, I know, um, than I felt, you know, four months ago, it was a lot more difficult to deal with.
0: Right, so it's almost like a little bit of worrying about how you're going to deal after this baby is born Mm -hmm. or like trying to prepare for after the baby's born or sink more deeply into the work possibly is that yeah
1: I, i definitely want to get i want to sink more deeply into the work and also be able to like give myself grace that it's going to be rough after the baby's born like it's it likely will be the same it might not but in all likelihood it will be and that it will be difficult but hopefully during this time to gather as many tools as I can to be able to deal with that just with a lot more compassion than I did last time.
0: Yeah. How, you know, when you're, I mean, I have a theory about why sometimes (laughs) pregnancy is easier. And like I said, it's not always easier every now and then, you know, someone has a really, or not even every now and then just occasionally, you know, people have a really hard time gaining weight Mm -hmm. in pregnancy. My theory is, from what I've seen in my work, is that a big piece of this is trusting our bodies and that our bodies are doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And the more we trust that our body is doing the right thing and landing in the right place, the more easily we make peace with food, like the less pressure there is. Mm to use food to somehow get our bodies right, like get the food right so our bodies are right. And so we can trust our eating more when we trust our bodies more. Mm-hmm. And so what I've seen in my work is that pregnancy is sometimes easier because we are more willing and willing to trust and just trusting that our bodies are landing in the right. Like we have less of a... Um, preconceived idea of like exactly where our bodies should land and what they should look like and what they should weigh. And we're just a bit more open and willing to going Mm -hmm. with the flow and seeing what, what happens. Um, does that feel true for you?
1: It does. And I think part of me also is like, oh, this is so temporary, you know, it's only nine months. So like literally what's the worst that could happen? Like, you know what I mean? Like how, 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 how deep could it really get? You know, like how far off of whatever, if I want to use like wagon analogies or whatever my mind is going through at the time, like how far off can it be? Like it's nine months, you know what I mean? And then at the end I can like clean it up or whatever my mind wants to tell me.
0: Right. So it's almost Um, like a vacation.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then I was really aware of that last time. And so I was trying really hard to pull that, like those same lessons out into like my life, you know, and just be like, like, it is what it is. Like, nothing, like, you know, again, I'm being monitored by like my midwife, and my health markers didn't crash. And the things that really matter, like my blood pressure and all this kind of stuff, like that wasn't affected by the way I was eating. Like, everything was fine. You know, I yeah. wasn't able to move as much, but ev- like, everything's fine. Baby yeah. came out great. Everything went well. You know, like, nothing.
0: Did Nothing you what? So this yeah. isn't this is an interesting question for me. How does your eating change in pregnancy? Because you're on a vacation.
1: Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I used to be um pretty strictly paleo um before about a year before my baby was born. Or I my got pregnant, I guess, a year before that. Um, and that was for a really long time. That was probably s- almost seven years. Mm-hmm. Um and just like crossing any opportunity to cross food out, like even like, like fruit and like all this kind of stuff is, was too much sugar in that. There's too much this and that. Um, and, uh, and then about a year before I got pregnant, I was going through a really stressful time. I was living in Montreal. I, my partner was living in Kingston. I was going to school full time and I was working full time to support both of us. Um, and so I was like, I, I can't work out. And do this like I can't there's no way I can still go to CrossFit and like and do this all like yeah. I, I can't I can't do these things. and then that was just like I also can't spend you know hours and hours cooking and grocery shopping and all this stuff. I legitimately do not have the time. and so I started to like just loosen up based off of necessity, I think, and recognizing that I was stressing myself out for no reason to like stay on these lines. Yes. Um, and then I was like, it's fine. When it's over, I'll be able to fix it. It's always when it's, when this is done, when, when the season's over. And then I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to go back. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I enjoyed the way I was eating and how much free time I was able to give myself because just like mental free time, I think not even just like actual time because I wasn't thinking about food constantly. Um, and that year, my goal was actually just to be able to eat twice a day because of all of this, I had ended up like cutting back on the amount of meals I was eating. So I was lucky if I ate two meals a day at that point. Um, because I didn't think I needed to, because I thought that somehow I was fasting at the same time. Um, (laughs) oh oh, yeah. See then, then, then you're just like, Oh, well, I'm just trying to do healthy things. I'm not dieting. I'm just, this is my lifestyle. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's how I know that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, and then after she was born, I started. You know, we were still in a pretty stressful period. We had to move, and he started at a new school. It was, you know, um, and during the move, we just started eating uh, easy things, like things that were just, you know, you didn't have to think about. Them. You could just throw them in the oven; it would take care of itself and eat it, and it, life would be fine. Right. Um, and, you know, I didn't die. Like, I mean, like nothing bad happened and I could finally enjoy just having like an iced tea from like with something that I ordered. And I was like, oh, I miss this. Like, this was so good. Yeah. Um, And then, so I started to loosen up a lot of those rules and let go of them eventually and nothing bad happened. (laughs) And then postpartum... I, I, I feel like that's going to be the
0: name of this podcast episode. And, <laughs> and then nothing, nothing bad, bad happened. Like,
1: yeah. I thought the world would burn and it didn't <laughs> like if nothing bad happened. <laughs> nothing I bad happened. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was I, I do that all the time. I'll be like, I ate lunch at my desk while busy. Nothing happened. You know, you know I, ate yeah. late at night. And I fed myself and <laughs> it was fine. Nothing happened.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and yeah, then postpartum, I couldn't feed myself. Um, In the sense of like, I, I usually always cook and I was, sitting on the couch breastfeeding I don't know 12 hours a day it feels like <laughs> so I couldn't get up and be in the kitchen or stand for more than 10 minutes so um you know he was cooking and what he can cook is stuff that's really really simple so like a partner pasta yeah exactly my partner uh pasta like chicken fingers like like
0: Eggs, you know and he was doing yeah. all the
1: all the groceries like you know because of the pandemic and all this kind of stuff so Um, I had no say in what was happening in the kitchen. And again, it was fine. And I was fed and my baby was fed and he was fed and, you know, the bills still got paid on time. Like nothing bad happened, you know, like, um, and then since all that, um, I, I guess I realized even more that like all these rules weren't serving us at all. You know, they weren't serving him. Um, <laughs> it's right there. um, they weren't serving me and they weren't making a difference in, in my baby's health either. You know what I mean? Like she was still gaining weight the way that she's yeah. supposed to, she was still growing the way that she's supposed to, regardless of what I was eating. And I was happy and I was healing and everything. Like according to all the, all the medical professionals you have around you, <laughs> like everything was looking really well or whatever. Sorry, that sentence didn't come out well. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was fine. And then um, n- this time around, um, I had it at the back of my head. Sometimes, you know, your, your intuition is kind of a little bit ahead of you. Yeah. And I knew what the next step was um, in this, like, being okay with food thing. Um, and for me, that was adding back in gluten, which I had convinced myself I was allergic to for eight years. Um, and I knew that that was the next step and that I had to at least try it and see if it really did react badly with me or if it was fine (laughs) and nothing bad would happen. Um, and I, I had that in my mind for like three months and then I said it out loud. I was like, I think this is the next, for me, this is the next thing that I need to do. I need to eat bread, which is the thing I'm most terrified of in the world, which is saying out loud feels ridiculous and a little bit laughable. Um, and I think it was like another circumstance thing. Like we were in the car one day driving around. My daughter was, uh, very upset. And so I needed to get some food in her. Um, and, uh, We stopped at Starbucks and I got her like a grilled cheese, and I was really, really hungry as well. And they didn't have whatever it was that I wanted to eat. Um, and I was feeding her in the back seat while she was in her car seat, and uh, and I just looked at it and I was like, I'm so hungry, like, this looks so good, it smells so good, and so I just started eating it as well. Um, and then I, you know, gave myself 24 hours, and I was like, I didn't get the stomachache that I thought I would. And I was just really trying not to think about it because I didn't want to like give myself a stomachache by like focusing yes. on it. Yeah. Um, I was like, it was fine. And then a couple of weeks later I had like banana bread and it was fine. And now we have like a, a loaf of bread. It's our second one this week, like sitting on the counter and so I So this is recent. Feel- yeah. It's it's within like the last month, maybe. Yeah. Um and I <laughs> really like proud of myself. Yeah, yeah. You're like, your face is like, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah, It is so good. It's so like, good. it's like love in
0: the form of food, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And
1: it tastes amazing. It and smells amazing. It tastes
0: amazing. The whole yeah. thing.
1: And it's, I. I, I recently added toast
0: to my favorite food list.
1: It's so good. I love toast and I always have, but I remember as a kid, not being allowed to have more than one piece because looks differently than everybody else in my family. And so I was only allowed to have one piece of toast.
0: You were in a larger body, even as a child,
1: like Um, rounder, larger than my family. So not, I would never, I think it would be like a disservice to other people to like put myself in that category, but definitely my family is very like athletic and thin, Um, like lean, not tall, but lean people just kind of all around. And I'm more on the like traditionally Irish, French, Canadian side. <laughs> it. Uh, um, so it just look, it, puberty looks different on me, you know, like pregnancy yeah. looks different on me than my sister, you know, like, it's just, it's just different. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but that's a whole thing in know, of itself. I think <laughs> it would be like a whole other story to go down. Um, So yeah, like there are those little things every once in a while uh, that I will remember about why I feel like I have no control around bread or around really any kind of like a carby, gluten-y thing because it was always restricted for me. Um, And so I feel like I can't trust myself around it. Um, But I mean, that loaf has been there for two days and I've had one sandwich. So I can be, you know, it's fine
0: from where I'm sitting. It's interesting to hear you say that because the one thing that I haven't heard that I was kind of looking for when I asked that (laughs) question, um, about if, if your eating is different in pregnancy versus not is that Mm -hmm. I haven't heard a lot of, um, negative food behaviors. So Mm -hmm. it's not uncommon when people start to loosen up a on restriction, especially the kind of restriction that you were engaging in. It was pretty deep,
1: right? I know. I don't think it, I ever realized how deep it was until I start like giving people timelines of what happened.
0: Yeah. Right. And like I just don't hear you saying, and then I binge ate, and then I was binge eating, or then I was so maybe I missed that. Maybe, or we haven't ta- you just haven't gotten into it. But have there been negative food behaviors along the way? Like have there been moments where you you actually do feel out of control around food
1: i think luckily what i learned before these like quote unquote binges was that to treat them as like a feast and like a refeeding moment and not a binge moment so i don't feel any guilt if i need to eat the whole thing of cookies like that it's just what's going to happen and when i was allowed to, (laughs) haven't I allowed myself to have cookies again? Um, I did. Yeah, for sure. That was like my meals for three or four days was just, that was it. And that's all I wanted to eat. Um, and then eventually that stopped. And I mean, it, it didn't have to stop either. Like I didn't have expectations that I was going to get through this just to not have to have a cookie ever again in my life. I can eat them whenever I want. And as many, as big of a quantity as I feel like, um, or I can not, and I can choose to have, I mean, adding Doritos back in my life was life-changing, <laughs> you know, like, and yeah, I can eat the entire bag by myself, or I can just have three, and you know I mean? I, I'm i really lucky that I learned that, I think, before, so I didn't have to um, beat myself up for wanting to eat food that I had told myself I wasn't allowed to eat for such a long time, yeah. um, so... Yeah. It's the same thing. People always ask, you know, pregnant people about like um, cravings and stuff like that. And I just, I just treat it all more as like, this is why my body's telling me to eat. So it's not necessarily a craving and I'm allowed to eat as much or as little of it as I feel like eating.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's all really incredible. Like, do, yeah, I hope I, you know <laughs> that. Do you know that? Like, like, so first of all, I love that considering it refeeding. I love that. <laughs> I use that a lot. And I really love that because that is often what it is, right? It's, mm-hmm it's a refeeding or it's a learning to exist with foods that are really novel at that point. Mm-hmm. And of course we want to devour foods that are they novel and good. exciting. <laughs> like- um, and the more that we approach it in the way that you're talking about with as much trust as you've been able to do, the more gracefully we move through it. It doesn't mean there aren't rough spots, but it's so mm-hmm. interesting to hear you describe the process, the exact same process that many other people go through and experience but to describe it with so much less angst and Mm -hmm. pain because of the acceptance and trust that's there with it without needing to control the outcome of it Mm -hmm. so that is awesome like (laughs) that's it's amazing it's a bit uncommon and it's awesome so with that in mind like with the level of trust that you have in your body and with the way that you've been able to navigate going from restriction to permission, from control to trust, what would you say is like the most challenging thing at the moment or the most painful thing at the moment?
1: Still wanting to be perceived as healthy and as good, I guess, because those two things are a little bit equated in my mind and like worthy by other people, even though I know that I'm doing this in the way that's right for me. Um, And it wasn't always because I would have told myself that seven years ago when I was like deep into all this mess, I would have said the same thing. And so I sometimes I can hear myself saying like, you know, that I'm doing things that feel really healthy for me because now it doesn't just it's not just about how my body looks but it's how about like I feel in my mind and how I feel about myself but I think I still struggle with um caring too much about what how it's perceived by other people and wanting to go back to like when I got all the compliments for being so tiny and like all these you know things that when I think other people would have rated me like you know 10 out of 10 healthy but I didn't feel like that yeah. and now I would, I feel a lot more healthy, but the perception and it's probably, it's, it's, all projection. I think um, the way I believe other people see me is as less healthy than I was five to yeah. seven years ago. Yeah. And that is the hardest part for me to get over and to just like, like get let go of. Um, and I think that's why like postpartum is so difficult for me. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I think that's it. That's all I have right now. <laughs> I think that's the end of the sentence. So
0: postpartum is really difficult because you no longer just get to be on vacation where your body's just doing whatever it wants, mm-hmm. but you're also not going back to the restriction that you were in before. Yeah, I don't want to. And you just feel like, (laughs) do you feel like you're flailing or do you feel like you're just doing your own thing or you just feel like, like what parts of it do you like and what parts of it do you not like in the postpartum period?
1: I like the initial postpartum period, like right after the baby's born when like, (laughs) you know, obviously you have this little squishy baby and there are... I mean, maybe that's the pro of giving birth to two babies in a pandemic. Like there's nobody to, like there are no expectations. It's just me and my partner and our babies and there's no expectations of me. I don't need to do anything and my body can just exist. And that's kind of the same freeing feeling of being pregnant too, is that there's no expectations of what is gonna happen. But then it's when you start sleeping a little bit more and I feel like these expectations of me and what i should be doing and how i should be looking and you know that i should be trying to get my body to tighten up again afterwards and and you know again like my little like ticker tape roll will start like spinning through my head of all these like i'm thoughts of what i should be doing and how i should be eating and if i maybe just like cut down on my portion size a little bit and stop snacking and all this kind of stuff like things would move more quickly um like that's kind of happening in the background while like the logic side of me is like, stop it. (laughs) Like it's, it's going to be okay. You don't need to pay attention to all those messages out there. You don't need to eat less. Like there's, that's not going to solve your problems. It's not going to make you happier. Like it's that, that tug between the two. And that for me, it kicks in at about like, like four or five months when you slowly start sleeping more um, postpartum. And um and yeah, and then maybe then like that's when I start seeing a, like a couple more people, you know, and then it's when I'm back into like the world that I start to feel this like external pressure to eat like, a, certain and a certain way, work a certain way, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Let's come back to this because I think this is like the really specific <laughs> the really specific thing that we want to address. Um but I, I want to just circle back to that idea of judgment of others and this idea of healthy and I don't know why maybe because I've been like deeply entrenched in the Meghan Harry interview for the past week I don't know if you <laughs> followed
1: it at yeah. all anything pop
0: culture is me <laughs> yeah and so I've been very obsessed with this thing and you know one of the things that Meghan talked a lot about in the interview and that was like dissected afterward is this idea of perception versus lived reality. And Mm -hmm. I think that it so parallels this work Mm -hmm. that so many women that I work with that I know were perceived as being incredibly healthy, We're, were celebrated for it, were validated, were congratulated, were complimented on the perception of their healthiness Mm -hmm. while the lived reality is that they were shriveling up inside, that their worlds Mm -hmm. were becoming smaller, that they were more and more preoccupied, that they were not necessarily even feeling any better in their body or only feeling better about very superficial aspects and very superficial moments, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but completely absorbed and consumed by the process of, of, of chasing those little moments, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Doing this work and the lived reality is so much more peaceful and enjoyable. Like, the like, honest to God, I mean, I could cry the look on your face, and like, there's like sun (laughs) shining out of you when you talk about reintroducing bread (laughs) into your diet, you know. And yet, the fact that we have to struggle with the perception that in healing our relationship to food and healing our relationship to our body, the fact that we have to battle the perception that we're less healthy as we, as the lived reality is that we're coming more and more into our own mm-hmm. is the real problem, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm- and you said it's probably projection. Maybe, maybe not, especially in those like, like honestly, CrossFit worlds, paleo worlds. <laughs> like, you know, they can say it's a, it's a lifestyle, and I and I say that as someone who was in it. Yeah, so I know it. <laughs> um, you know, they can say it's just a lifestyle stuff all you want, but it's very much about body shape and size, mm-hmm. and you know, even it was very big early. This is probably ten years ago now, but early on, you know, strong is the new skinny, and it just very quickly I was like, but wait a minute, not everybody can be really muscular. Like some yeah. people aren't that body type either. Like they mm-hmm. just started replacing. What a new ideal body for an older ideal body, and then actually being quite derogatory toward thin people. And it was just like this very interesting, messy thing where I was like, I don't think this is pushing us forward. I think it's just (laughs) pushing us into a different corner. So It could be projection because obviously when our bodies start to change, we tend to be sensitive to these things. But I think it's also super fair and important to recognize that it could be reality as well, that that perception could be different. And that the really hard work here, like the real deepest layer of this work is carving out our own path and doing the thing that's right for us and weathering the perception that may not be Mm -hmm. what we would like it to be. And I feel like I've talked about it before. I don't want to like repeat myself too much, but one of my favorite, favorite, favorite um, pieces of Glennon Doyle's work, Untamed, that newest book that she has out. I heard her talking about it and she was talking about totally different, but she was talking about when she divorced her husband and fell in love with a woman at the same time. So it was this very messy situation And, um, you know, her mom was not on board, right? Her mom was not on board with the situation and she felt like she had to keep explaining what was happening in her life and Mm -hmm. explaining that she was okay and trying to convince her that she was okay, you know? And she sort of talks about the fact that the day we become a really good mother is the day we start becoming a disobedient or a bad daughter you know and what she really <laughs> means is like whether you have kids or you don't have kids it's like mm-hmm. the day that you start really becoming an adult or like yourself is the day that you shrug off the expectations of your parents or like in the broader view what everyone thinks you should be doing you know mm-hmm. and my favorite part of that though was when she says there came a point when i had to stop trying to tell everyone or explain to everyone that i was okay and i just needed to be okay. <laughs> I just needed to be okay. And it's like the hardest, it's the simplest and like the hardest thing to stop needing to continually justify or prove or explain ourselves, you know? And um, I'm not sure if you've engaged in that at all, but I definitely did in the early days of this work. Like I needed to tell everyone that I was still healthy and that I was still taking care of myself and I was still fit and I was still this and I was still that. And, um, some people you might convince some people you won't, you know, but the hardest thing I think is just this idea of forging a path where the perception is just going to be different, you know, where people are going to view it differently. And, um, yeah, I don't know if that lands, but for me, Um, it's a process for me. And in the work that I do, it's a process of just keeping going of just Mm -hmm. one foot in front of the other and continuing to build. Cause for you, it's still relatively new, right? Yep. And then you only have like one, you know, a short postpartum period before pregnancy again. And so I would say that what you're engaging in is like the really normal process of this work and that it's never one and done. It's like, You get okay on one level and then you find a new level of discomfort and then you have to get okay on that level and you find a new moment that that challenges you. And you build confidence in your path and you build that okayness Mm -hmm. in being who you are and doing what's right for you in the doing and seeing that nothing bad happens.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I need that painted somewhere. Like it's my model. Like nothing bad's going to happen. It's going to be fine. Like, right. Yeah. It's gonna. And be then okay. you deal with
0: the really hard judgment from someone, and you weather it, and mm-hmm. you, and you play with that back and forth in your mind, where you're like, you know, do I go back to that plan? It's kind of, you know, after that harsh comment, it's really alluring to think about going back to that. Do I want to do it? Mm-hmm. No, this is the right path for me, and you keep going. I don't know why, but just as I was talking about that, it sprung to mind that how. Um, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been one my whole career. (laughs) Yeah. And there have been many moments in the past, you know, 15, 16 years where I thought, Oh my God, I should just take a job. Sometimes I even have on the side, you know, Mm -hmm. and no matter how alluring that salary job is, and no matter how many (laughs) benefits come with it. And I don't just mean like health benefits. I mean, like the benefits of consistency and stability and, yeah. No matter how many times I've desired it and I've kind of looked for it, when it actually presents itself and I have to think about giving up this entrepreneurship thing, no matter how hard the entrepreneurship thing is, (laughs) I just keep going back to it. Mm -hmm. And like for a while, I just thought I was a glutton for punishment. And then I realized, no, this is my actual path. It's just not a very easy path all the time. Mm. Not that working for other people is always an easy path
1: either. You know, like it's different, but it's it's what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. This is
0: what I'm supposed to be doing. Exactly. And, and, and like, no matter what we do, it's like, excuse my language, but it's like a shit sandwich. You know, like you have to decide what, what things that are challenging you're okay with and what things that are challenging kind of add to your life and help you grow versus Mm -hmm. keeping you stuck in a never, you know? And so this process, this tug of war that you're explaining, to me is a part of that solidifying process, that confidence building process, that like hacking out your own trail and being quite sure that you're on your (laughs) path. So instead of, I think instead of thinking of it as like, oh, there I go, back again, it's like, no, no. I am consistently being given, offered the opportunity for the trail to divide, like the trail is basically dividing in this moment and Mm -hmm. I'm being offered the opportunity, you know, to decide which direction I'm going to go. And the more consistently you choose the way that's right, the more you end up on the right path and that path becomes more clear, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And Mm -hmm. if occasionally you were to get sucked back in, you know, you just end up at a dead end or you would just find yourself on a big circuitous route back to your path.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I think that it's interesting with food and body stuff where we think that like once we logically understand the concept that we should just be able to kind of live it and do it perfectly. But there are all of these forces outside of us, but also that we've internalized that are going to live with us for our entire lives. And I think as with parenting, as with career, as with, you know, this like finding of our own path is a process of continued decision-making and like- Mm -hmm what am I going to be more loyal to? Am mm-hmm. I, What am I gonna be more committed to? What am I going to seek in earnest? Is it approval from others or is it that lived reality of a life that just feels better to me? And that just, you know, does that make sense? And this idea of like, you're gonna get swayed, it's alluring, it's compelling to want the perception to be a certain thing. Um, but the more you just keep living out this process, the more this path becomes clear and the faster and the quicker you'll able to just be okay without needing other people's perception to mean as much or to like matter as much.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's exactly that. And it's so funny. It's this moment I keep, I just hang on to as like my, like my, my like guiding light for all of this. Whenever things get really hard, it was like, my nephew's birthday this summer and I was there with my brand new baby and I was having so much fun she was so beautiful and it was just like a really great day and I got to see a couple people I hadn't seen in a very long time and um it was a fantastic day you know I I, she was on the lawn she got to see her grandparents from a distance but they were still there (laughs) and um and I remember looking at pictures after and like Um, I knew that I, I wore something that I would have worn way pre-pregnancy, like a little crop top and some linen pants. And I felt so cute in it and like, I was just having the best day and, um, I saw pictures after because we took a picture with my sisters and my mom and and our and all the babies and uh, I was like smiling so big and I was just so happy and uh, I remember seeing the pictures and just be like oh that's what I look like and just kind of moving on with them and just be like I look really happy like my baby looks gorgeous as always Like, like I look really happy I'm really happy I have this picture. And that's not how I usually look at pictures of myself, but uh. it was, it's such a moment that I hang on to. Cause like my body looks so different from anything it had ever looked like before in that picture. Um, but I was just happy, you know? And for me, that moment is something I, like I have to hang on to because it, like proves that the way I look and the way that people are like, Oh, are you sure you should be wearing that top? And I was like, I love it. Like it's brand new. It's a little like a knit crop top. I <laughs> feel so cute in this. Like, I love it. I love it. Um, you know, I just, it was a day of just really for, for whatever reason, I don't know why hormones, I don't know what it was like, I'm just so happy and I felt, I felt beautiful and I just had a great day and I could look at the pictures even now and just be like, and just see how happy I was instead of seeing like being like start to zoom in and like nitpick all the things and like, you know, want to tear it apart and, and for me that that's the, the memory I hang on to when I struggle really, really, really hard with the perception, because I don't think the perception of me was great that day, but um, but like the lived reality was that I was having a great day and I felt fantastic in my body and I felt great with my baby. And I had a, like, it, it's still a really special memory for me.
0: Uh, I mean, like, so basically <laughs> you are a superstar at this work already. Like I didn't know where that was going to go. And most often where that story goes is, and then I saw the photo and I fell apart.
1: And Usually or, it would have. Or, That's exactly where it would have ended.
0: Right. Or... You know, somebody said that thing to me about the crop top, and I fell apart, or the whatever. And so, the fact that you have already had that experience of just moving on and
1: yeah, and everything was is incredible. okay
0: and nothing bad happened, yeah, is just proof that like you can do this. Like you already are doing it.
1: Like yeah. you are doing it. Sometimes and, it just feels so far from where I am. But yeah, I have like hanging on to it is the only thing that's like maybe, maybe this is possible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And when, you know, I think that when those, when you find yourself in a spot that feels so far from where you want to be is to just to start ask those really important questions, which is like, you know, what is the storyline that I'm buying into? Where do I feel like I, I, it's so interesting to hear you say that the thoughts that pop up are like, If I just had a little less bread if I just had a little less this because the reality is that like maybe not all bodies but sometimes bodies do shift when we have less food and less Mm -hmm. bread and less whatever um but then when you start to identify like yeah that is a possibility like it's kind of like when you allow yourself you open yourself up to really look at the two paths that -hmm. are being presented to you and why it's alluring to go down this other side path, you know, like maybe that would happen and maybe the perception of me would change and like, you know, maybe I would get validated and congratulated and complimented again, but like, what would I have to give up? Like, mm-hmm. what's the trade-off? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes as we carve out our own path and, and the better we are at logically understanding, this is the way that's right for me. Um, we sometimes feel like we just have to like repress or shove down those urges that pop up to go in another direction and like cut them off. And for some people that works. For other people, I think that... um a really helpful part of the process can be to just really open yourself up to it and be like, okay, maybe I should do that (laughs) and see how quickly you're like, oh no, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to cut bread out again. And then it becomes, and then instead of being something that's like alluring you and pulling you that you have to resist and say no to, it becomes something that you happily say no to and walk away from, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think that like, because this has been quite successful for you. And when I say this, I mean this like choosing of this other path. And, um, and successful doesn't mean that it's been easy. I know you've had to like do a lot of work, but because it's been fairly successful and you've had these bright moments, I think that allowing yourself to open up and look at these other things that pull you and get really clear like, where is this messaging coming from? Why do I wanna buy into this? What would be the benefit of buying into this storyline? what's the sacrifice? What do I have to give up? Do, am I okay with that trade-off? No? Okay. Then I'm going to take this, you know, like I said earlier, I'll take this poop sandwich over that poop sandwich any day, Mm -hmm. you know, over there, you know, I get X, Y, Z, I get compliments. People see me a certain way, but I have to give up every, I have to give up all of my brain space and time and emotional energy and everything in order to get those five compliments a month or whatever it is. Over here, my lived reality is so much better. I have to give up on some of the positive perceptions, but the lived reality is so much better. So just, you know, allowing that process instead of it to, instead of it feeling like it's detracting from you or pulling you back, I think instead to think of it as like solidifying, cementing, pulling pushing you forward and just keep like really looking at like why when you want to go when you want to zag left you know what is it there what's there and if you were to actually seriously contemplate going that route what would be the trade-off yeah, yeah. is that it's funny because before <laughs> I, I don't ever talk about this but before we hit record i said you know sometimes these sessions are really actionable and other times, they're more philosophical. And I don't know why I said that because I never say that before we start recording, but I feel like this is an instant where, an instance where um, you seem to be actually very clear on a lot of the steps. And I think it's just this philosophy of like, what does, um, getting this right quote unquote look like and what mm-hmm. does the path forward look like and what does it look like when we're being successful and being successful doesn't mean that it's linear it's often very swirly and messy and all over the place and it's just about consistently tuning back into the lived reality that we want to be living over and over and over again and like getting distracted and recommitting and getting distracted and recommitting and maybe even trying something out and being like ugh nope can't do that recommitting And over and over and over again, seeing nothing bad happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Nothing bad's going to happen. It's it's just food. It's going to be okay. And yeah, I mean, I think that currently it's the biggest struggle. It's feeling in some ways like I'm doing really well and then other ways and even like the next day or the next hour I'm doing really not well at this. And that's, I don't know if I mean. I hope there are other people that kind of feel like they're far along and not far along at the same time. Because uh-huh. um, like from everything I listen to, it's a lot of people who are just starting. Um, and while I can definitely identify from with that, and I learn a lot from uh, people like that too. It's um, it's ho- or or people who are much much further along and who are like pretty much done with this, yeah. and this yeah. is their they're the way that they live and and i want that so badly for myself i want to not basically my goal is to never have a conversation about food or diets ever again and i tell that to my partner all the time like i want that for myself so badly i want to not think about this anymore i want to not have to talk about this out loud so frequently um but it has been a really helpful tool to do kind of what you're saying, but I think I'm going to do it a lot more intentionally now.
0: Right. Of like so instead
1: exploring of, the options. Yeah. And really instead of thinking of
0: like, I'm doing really well at this, I'm doing terribly at this. It's like <laughs> I'm doing, I am in process in yeah. this work yeah. and the good moments and the challenging moments are all a ab- are all part of the process of this work. And like, Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think that you are at this like juicy (laughs) kind of like deep pivotal moment. Right. So not at the very beginning where there's like, sometimes a lot of like major ahas and, and like, um, shifts in behavior and shifts in thinking. And Mm -hmm. instead you're in like the deepest part of the work where we don't hear people talk about it that often. Right. We often hear people talk about the beginning and then the end, um, which is still by the way a process. It's just yeah. like process life, <laughs> <I'm sure>. essentially. <laughs> yeah. um, but, and we are, we are, um, or I am glazing over the fact that it's very helpful in this process, in that, in, in where you're at to continue to work with someone sometimes, to be able to have mm-hmm. those conversations of like, here's what popped up and to have some support and to have someone reframe for you and yeah. with you and like talk you through that. Like it's not something that you necessarily have to do on your own. You can do it on your own, but it can be really helpful to have somebody help you because the, interestingly, the the different paths that start to present themselves become more nuanced and more challenging to pull apart and sort through in your brain. So it starts mm-hmm. to be like, but what if, what if there's something about the way that I'm eating that actually is affecting my mood or my energy? How do I approach yep. that? Or like, um, you know, what does it look like if I'm feeling like I need to reset or 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 you know reconnect? to food and movement in a certain way. How do I do that? How do I approach that? Or, you know, there starts to be like these interesting kind of like, I call them ninja level. I don't know if that's the right word, but like high level (laughs) nuanced conversations that sometimes need to happen where, when you're out of like the deepest layers of diet culture, we have to sort through like, how do I do X, Y, Z truly in pursuit of my well-being and health and the lived experience I'm after and how do I sift out the finer aspects of diet culture that are still living within that, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's not often in books.
1: Yeah. That I know is going to be the tricky part. It's not often in like, books like,
0: and it's not know. often super easy to untangle because it's often very personal to the individual and their mm-hmm. like values and lived the lived experience that they are after and that they want. So for instance, like some people will never genuinely, naturally, authentically have much more interest in food or movement than in a very, very moderate way. Mm -hmm. And so for them, a lot of the high level nuanced conversations that I engage in is how do we get okay with your natural inclination? Mm -hmm. Yeah, The amount of energy you actually want to put into this versus what the culture says you should.
1: Yeah, you don't want to go on a run for three hours a day. Like, no, you, know, you just don't care. It's just yeah, not your thing. It's not, you not know? my no interest.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Other people, it's interesting because they are naturally, authentically, genuinely mm-hmm. more interested and invested in food and movement. And how do they do that without falling down the diet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, where does it meet in the middle? And when health issues show up, or when you know, so it's just like it is interesting and yeah. it's very helpful. It's easy to say, just keep going. But I think like <laughs> the bottom line is you're on the right track. The first reframe I would make is that this is a process and all of the moments and the days are part of the process. Not like today I'm doing well in the process. Today I'm not in the process. I'm bad. Mm-hmm. It's more, and I know you're not saying it like that, but you know, I'm exaggerating. It, pretty but- much. It's <laughs> But being like, this is all part of it. This is all part of the deprogramming process for the old programming to pop its head back It's like whack-a-mole a little, but hopefully like more thoughtful and like engaged, right? Where you're just like, oh, there it is again. How do I disengage? Oh, there it is again. How do I disengage? Oh, there it is again. Am I actually interested in this? Is this something that might be good for me? Ooh, when I explore it, not so much. Back I go. You know, like that is... That is the process you're in. And then, like I said, um, it can be very helpful to have someone who can hold space for that conversation, which is really a tricky thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's something I love doing, (laughs) but it is an incredibly tricky thing to find someone who can hold space for those conversations who are far enough themselves along the route, along the path, their own path, um, in order to be able to hold space and help you sift through that, right? Oh yeah. Because on different days, you'll need different tools. So I would say, keep going, keep (laughs) listening to the podcast, keep reading the books, and then reach out for that support when you find yourself, you know, looking at the, the diverging paths and struggling to sort out what that trade-off is for you and like what it looks like to stay on the path of the lived reality you're after, you know, Mm -hmm. without, without sacrificing how you want to feel in your body.
1: Mm Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I love doing a follow up because I got to hear what tools were particularly helpful. And in this case, interestingly, what was most helpful was being given permission to be really honest about the ongoing old programming thoughts that continue to pop up. It's really common to feel like you're somehow failing or not getting it right if you continue to have feelings of like, oh, I wish I could just go on a diet or, oh, I wish, you know, I miss my old thinner self. But the reality is that old programming is gonna pop up. The solution is just being able to recognize it for what it is, name it, separate it, separate yourself from it and move on. And so um, being that, given that permission has helped her move forward it's a bit scary at times to admit some of this stuff but it really does open the door to deeper iterations of the work so let's listen to that
1: um i remember i just felt really i felt really happy with myself (laughs) um it was almost nice to just have a lot of time to reflect on like where i was um a little bit validating to um I think have the space to talk about my journey as well with someone because I think I mentioned this a lot I feel like when we recorded uh the first time that it it feels like a lot of the body positivity space is taken up by like people at the beginning or like seemingly at the end of their journeys yeah and there's not a lot of conversation but like that middle part where you have feel like you're you, you're you're good and you you're done everything and then half feel like you have so much left to do and there's so <laughs> yeah. many things that still pop up. Um, it's hard to find people uh, who are in that kind of middle ground. And so, just to be like, you are still doing like good work, Jordan. To myself, <laughs> um, you're still working hard even though it feels like you have miles and miles to go. You've actually accomplished a lot as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, which was really nice to feel and then um, getting some tools too to be like to further that journey and because I think I also in a way felt stuck in the middle like I didn't know what the how to move forward from uh-huh. where I was like I, I accomplished some big things right before we, we started recording that I was really excited about. Uh, in terms of, like, allowing more food back into my life, Um, but I I didn't know how to move forward with, like, the the past thoughts that would still creep in about, like, you know, well, you know how to lose weight again, you know how to do this, you know how to do that, so why don't you just do it, Um, and then I think you mentioned, like, why don't you just, like, allow yourself to go down that path, like, at least mentally, and just, like, probe it a little bit further and see where it goes and is it worth it or not um and so that's what I've been doing a lot since then Um, what happens it gets a little bit scary sometimes I think Mm -hmm. the first time in a really long time I like my partner and I were at a cabin so we didn't have our phones for a a while and so we got into some nice like deep conversations and it was like the first time in a couple years that I just like cried and I was just like I think I just miss being thin And I just, like, actually allowed myself to say that out loud. Um, Because we talk a lot about, like, why I don't want to go back. Like, he's kind of like my sounding board. (laughs) So, uh, like, why, you know, why I feel better mentally now. And why, you know, all my whys to to continuing uh, to do this work. But I think just allowing myself to also be, like, a little bit sad that, like, that's not what i look like right now um or maybe ever again which is okay but like allowing like it to be okay and also i I miss it you know like i miss that feeling yeah, but then also
0: yeah it's really it's in the same anymore. vein like that that tool of like really letting yourself explore mm-hmm. the yeah. options like so i had a moment of that on my <laughs> recent holiday it doesn't matter how long you've done this work yeah. and so i really just let myself go down the trail And like, what would that look like? And it wasn't long before I had that feeling of like, oh my God, I don't want to have to do that again. Like it just, I needed to be reminded (laughs) of what would be entailed. And there's something about allowing ourselves to be honest with how we're feeling and to really explore it. It can be scary. And I think for some people, maybe it's not a good tool. if they're too um, wobbly in their commitment Mm -hmm. to this path. But I think that even when your commitment to the path is strong, there's that old programming that pops up and we can sort of trust. If I really go down that route, um, A, it'll become apparent very easily and very quickly that it's not right for me. Or B, it might, you know, what it did highlight for me is that there were some things off with my self-care that I wanted to explore, but I've developed the tools to do those things without being restrictive and needing to be on a plan. So that's the other thing that can pop out of that exploration. And in the same way, like, I think it's really, it can feel like a failure, or like you're being a traitor to the cause to (laughs) admit that you are, have considered going back on a diet or that you're sad you're you're not still in your thin body but i just think it's really important to the process to let it come up and to identify it and to to name it for what it is which is that it is hard to let go of the social privilege of thinness
1: absolutely and i think that that like it was scary because i'd never let myself go that far you know it's like admitting that i really do miss that that body And mostly, it's yeah. It's I miss how people reacted to that body. Like I miss yeah. That's it. Yeah. What what it did for me, I guess.
0: Validation comments. You know, it's hard to go from lots of external
1: validation to being totally internally validated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But and it's it's all idealism too, is what I realized in in saying it out loud. I think was that like, I. I was just looking at like an old image of myself and just looking at the way I looked and, and then I had to remember what I felt like at that time too and how hard it was to even take that picture Oof,
0: that's so big, you
1: know, all those kinds of things. And like,
0: I call it romanticizing. Yeah. So when I have somebody being like, (laughs) but I just want to look like what I, what I looked like when I was 20, I'm like, remember, but did you like this photo of yourself when you were 20? Like, first of all, no. (laughs) And that tends to be the in to Mm -hmm. what was going on in your life. And, and, you know, even if things were quote unquote going well, you know, when you're 20 or 25, you probably had a really different life than you do now you know, and maybe like this has come up before with people and it's like, oh, when I was a master student and had no kids and no partner and and I'm like, well, (laughs) that's cool, but you do have kids and a partner and would you want to give them up to create all the free time you had to focus on food and exercise? And there's just something about being able to be that like deeply honest with our feelings and then Mm -hmm. also exploring underneath of them, what was going on in our past lives and our past bodies? Was it actually good and being able to explore how we were treating ourselves? And even if it was kind of good in some way, how has our life changed and evolved? Um, and our bodies part of that journey of changing and evolving, right? Yep. Um, so that's cool.
1: Yeah. Just little moments of realization. No, I'm really, really happy with everything we, t- we spoke about last time and I still think about it. And, uh, I don't know I I know that it's this is going to be a a lifetime of um, processing and like I don't know getting rid of all the diet culture mentality and stuff like that but it in the past few months it definitely has become a lot easier to spot those things coming up Mm -hmm. and it's and to detach more quickly from them I think as well Mm. amazing Um, just by allowing myself to do what you said just like keep going like probe that that thought like follow that trail all the way down to the end see what happens um more than and I think every time I do it I get like better at it you know I appreciate a little bit further and further and further and further um to see like no really like picture what it would look like you yes you know how to do all these things you know how to how to get back there and then but really like what does it do mentally to you what does it do to your social life what does it do to like are you still able to care for your your baby in the same way because things have changed uh in the last seven years you know yeah Yeah. um and there's a new baby coming and all this kind of stuff so very very soon (laughs) (laughs) um but uh you know like i I wouldn't be able to show up in the other parts of my life in the way that i want to and be the leader to my kids the way that I, I want to like, show them how to do these things and how to act around food or I guess not act like, because I don't want them to overthink it. It's the opposite of what I was doing. Yeah. But I need to be able to demonstrate that and not just tell them what to do.
0: That was really cool. I loved hearing, um, about how things had gone and, I am exceptionally interested to hear how things go post baby number two, the postpartum period I think can pull up a lot of feelings when it comes to food and body. So after the session ended, we chatted for just a little bit about that and about you know, continuing to use these tools and to regroup and focus on what's most important, which is taking care of herself, deeply, deeply taking care of herself after the arrival of baby number two and allowing her body to shift and change and come back to a new normal after this baby is born. So I look forward to another catch up in the future. Until then, if you would go and rate and review this podcast, I don't I haven't asked for it in a while, but I'm telling you there is nothing that is more helpful or um, amazing for me to see, read, and know. and it really does help get the word out there about the podcast. So if there's one thing I could ask of you today is go rate and review um, wherever you are tuning in.